Off the ball, with thanks to Ford. This season, we're not playing by the rules. We're exceeding expectations. Now as standard, Ford, go further. Hello, Drada. Hello. We're here tonight in the TLT Theatre in Drogheda with thanks to our friends in Heineken and we have an absolutely stellar guest list for you this evening. We also have a quiz which Colm is going to partake in and represent a member of the audience. We also have an opportunity for people at home to enter and win tickets to Leinster against Bath which is what we're previewing this weekend. It's uh, live on Newstalk on Saturday and off the ball so we're very much looking forward to it because it's probably the last big game of rugby that's going to take place in Ireland barring uh, a bit of a miracle maybe Munster might have a couple of big games left in the league but that's about it that's about it until we get to the World Cup anyway I know you're all here to see uh, Colm and Joe and me but actually you're all here to see us talk about rugby and it's time for us to welcome our first legend of the night it's Brian O'Driscoll hello A very good evening. <laughs> Place is falling apart. For, uh, he's he's for lost the footwork completely. <laughs> for listeners at home, O'Driscoll's managed to walk out into a very big stage. <laughs> Huge. And kick over three bottles of water. The, the only things that were there. Have you been drinking? <laughs> I haven't, I haven't. Um, the left foot just drags a little these days, but yeah. Lack of conditioning. You're looking very well. Beautifully dressed, beautifully turned out. I think it's a great pity that you've shaved, though, because I, I don't know, we think you stumbled upon something that was really, really working for you. I mean, that is, that is beautiful. Is Why a, get rid of that? Is this a midlife crisis? <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my beard. That is, uh, that's five, six days' growth um, without a shave. So there's nothing on the side. So I, I asked my missus when she took it, I said... You know, you can, it looks like a schmig. It looks like a, a Gary Neville with a little bit on the chin. It is very Gary Neville. But then I also asked her the, that, that question, you know, do, do I look fat in this? Do I look, do, do I look? And the truth is, yes, you do. You do look fat with uh, facial hair. So stop, you know, keep it tight. Of course, the Toblerone is an apology for the carry-on that was going on on the other side of the world. What are you talking about? We, 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 ha- we have a picture of that as well. <laughs> That could be anyone. That could be absolutely anyone. What, what band is on? Who, what's going on here? <laughs> the Red Hot Chili Pipers. <laughs> Well-known band. You completely wasted your life with rugby. You could have been doing this every weekend with me. <laughs> you know, like, I, I did some of this in my teenage years, and then maybe, you know, you might be excused in your 20s, but I'm 36 years of age. You can't be yeah, still at that. Don't say that. It's okay. the people listening okay, I feel a bit sorry for. Them. I know that the stress on their face is actually trying to keep this fat, over, overweight has been up in the air. I see that, uh, you know, rock stars get knickers thrown at them, but somebody here has actually brought a toddler on for you from the crowd. Ah, <laughs> how kind. Thanks a million. Yeah. All right, if anybody has any questions for us across the evening, you can text the show on 53106 or you can hit us on Twitter at Off The Ball. It's time for us to get our second guest out tonight. Uh, he is the current Ireland number 13. Ladies and gentlemen, Jared Payne. Welcome to Drada, Jared. It's actually, of course, not that far for you because uh, you live in Belfast. 
It's just down the road, just down the motorway, which is nice. Pretty sweet life for you at the moment, I suspect. You're basking in the afterglow of a, a triumphant championship. Yeah, couldn't ask for anything more, really, in your first one. It was uh, a dream come true. I was just uh, happy to be involved in such a special day. Well, let's uh, relive one of your finest moments. We're going to have a look now at your first try in the uh, green jersey. Here it is against Scotland. Talk us through it. Um, yeah, we've been screaming for the ball a bit, so passed in a wee quarter six, though, and lucky enough he threw it up to me, and that was a clear line, so... Uh, It's going to be a wee bit of a celebration, but Dricker would probably know that if you do that, Joe's going to get you, isn't he? So <laughs> I sort of went to throw it, the ball and stopped. It's funny, I've seen that. I've, we've seen that play before, and um, the whole idea is the first switch runner um, softens the defence up for then the second switch runner. And I thought it was Robbie that ran it first, and I was impressed, and then I thought that it was actually Carnes, and then I was pretty unimpressed at <laughs> uh, the level of intensity that he ran at. Um, so... To be honest with you, he didn't really open anything up for Jared. He had to do all the work himself. So nicely done. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> Here, tell us the whole celebration thing. If you if you celebrate, your, it's like a... Oh, no, he's pretty big on the poker face, so, you know, you've got to keep a, keep a straight face and not celebrate too much. Because so. you're going to do an American football type, throw it in the air, spike. Yeah, it's something big planned. I've been known to do a few silly things every now and then, so... <laughs> Uh, I think it's the team celebration as well, you know, it's, rather than going off and doing your own thing, you yeah. know, if you celebrate with your teammates, it probably embraces that a little bit more. Yeah, I'm sure that that doesn't always happen, though, that sometimes you're tempted to go, yeah! Yeah, the emotion, you know, gets particularly big moments and your first try or, you know, if you get um, a winning try, you look at someone like Robbie on you know, the English game, that was an enormous try and it's hard not to celebrate <laughs> you know, what you know is a huge, on a, on a huge occasion and a pivotal moment, but... Yeah, I think if you if you find yourself celebrating on your own, get someone in a headlock really quickly, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and then you're probably going to get away with it. Safety and numbers for that one. Um, what was the whole campaign like? Uh, you know, kind of it's a brand new experience for you, I suspect. And and again, from the outside, we've no clue. You're kind of cloistered away in Carton House for a long period of time with a a bunch of men. Yeah, it's um, it was I was blown away when I first got to Rome. Uh, just to see the travelling support of the Irish was was uh, unbelievable, and you realise how important it is. And uh, from then on, it was just a, an awesome ride, really. That the, the emotion and the enjoyment was right up there, and see, seeing the fans at all the away games, and then that, uh, them packing out the Aviva was uh, was unbelievable, and it was just great to be a part of. I know you don't want to tempt fate by talking about being uh, a starter in the team, but at the moment you're a starter in in the team, and uh, as you kind of come to terms with that and realise, okay, well. I'm going to be given an opportunity here. What does that do for your confidence that, you, you know, we played, we win, I'm keeping my place for now at least, and I know you're not getting carried away with it, but is there an immediate knock-on effect in confidence or are you still on edge the whole time? Um, yes, you, can, uh, you get a bit of confidence from it, but yeah, Joe keeps you on edge, he works you pretty hard during the week and uh, it's, 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 it's a tough environment to be in because you never know whether you're going to be picked or not. He keeps his cards pretty close to his chest, so it's normally Tuesday morning, you're pretty nervous, so... Nah, it gives you confidence, and it's good just to play week in, week out, but he does keep on your toes. Yeah, Brian, I suppose the rest of us can say that it looks like Jared is going to be part of the centre partnership for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I think they, they you know, Joe probably set his stall out quite early in, in November, and then with Jared's injury at the end of the South African game, he didn't quite, he didn't get to partner Robbie in the, uh, in the, the Australian game. So then playing them as, as a centre pairing throughout the six, the six Nations, of course, is the World, World Cup pairing. Um, and in fairness to the to the two of them, I think they they had really really strong Six Nations, and I know this guy had a, a huge number of 
questions to deal with about you know the, the vacant 13 jersey and if ever it was answered by um, five performances in the Six Nations, I think it was done. So huge kudos to that. And um, you, know, you make the jersey your own. Cheers, Chicken. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are certain circumstances where you're picked and it's like you get into a team and it's no big deal, but uh, you were picked uh, after the end of a, quite, a, quite a storied career. There were, you know, there was a thing floating in uh, the Aviva last year. So it was a big deal. There must have been a bit of, bit of pressure associated with it. Yeah, definitely. Look, um, there's no, no one's going to be do what Brian's done. There's never going to be another sort of Brian. He's, he's unbelievable, one of a kind. So once you realise that, you just go out and do your job and try and... Oh, you're right there. <laughs> there you go. I'm telling you, there's something in these bottles. <laughs> no, look, uh, These yeah. microphones only worth about five grand. It's no big deal. <laughs> Hey, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Checo was good at rugby, you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah look, now, once, uh, once you, you, you sort of get your head around that there's never going to be another Brian, you just do your job and do what you can, really. Yeah, and the other thing is you kind of came as a, a bit of a package at Robbie as well, because you were both kind of making your, your starting bones around the same time. And I, I wonder, is that a bit helpful, that, like this is a new partnership, and so if you have each other's back and you build that trust pretty quickly, then you're both going to benefit from it. Yeah, I think you've explained it perfectly there, really. Um, we both worked pretty hard. We are uh, trying to get the combination going and, as you say, have each other's back and trust each other. And I think it's slowly growing bit by bit, game by game. Pre, pre-tournament, everybody was obsessed with the numbers on the backs. And, and we've kind of talked a little bit about this, Brian, about how actually it's just a number on the back. Frequently, you would have played 12 in the middle of a game. You could be 12. Yeah, you, you, at different times, particularly from a centre point of view, um, of first phase, you could be either 12 or 13. But then when you get into multi-phase, you find guys in a variety of different positions. As a 13, you can find yourself on the wing. In that instance where Jared scored his try, Rob was at 13 and Jared was at 12. So you, you have to have the ability to adapt and, and numbers on your back go out the, go out the window. And, you know, I, I, in fairness to, to Jared, I, I had said at the start of the Six Nations, I thought he was um, a world-class 15 and a very, very good 13. And I think... You know, subsequently, he's shown his, his wares at, at 13, and he's, he's been excellent. What I'm interested to know is if you had your own choice, which Thanks position would you <laughs> play in? Uh, look, honour to wear your jersey, so happy with 13 at the moment. Oh, come on. <laughs> Joe, Joe <laughs> Smith's not listening. Do you think you're getting away with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I think uh, getting a bit old, but slow, so moving moving a few more positions in 13. 13 <laughs> place at the moment. <laughs> I think that probably for me, you know, obviously having Rob at, at fullback, a lot of the time it's about getting your best players on the pitch. And sometimes you have to, you know, for, for Jared to play 15, you're going to lose Rob and likewise. So th- there's an element of accommodating people that are top class players. But at the same time, you know, you, the more you play at 13, obviously the more comfortable you get, and particularly with partnerships and with playing with Johnny. Um, so I'd imagine you know, with the World Cup warm-up games and then into the World Cup, it'll just become even more seamless than it's already seemed. Aye, yeah, it's a plan, hopefully. So. In terms of um, playing fullback with Ulster, because obviously that's where you've kind of spent most of your time, do you expect to maybe get a bit more time at, at 13 over the... I mean, it turns out also Ulster have just announced the signing of a pretty good fullback. Yeah, might be out of a job in a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, I'm, I'm happy to just get on the field for Ulster. We've got... Pretty good 13s and 15s, and KV and uh, Louis Ludic up there, so 
wherever Doki picks me, I'm happy to play. Just as Draco says, once you get on the field, it's uh, the numbers are pretty irrelevant at times. You just go out and enjoy yourself. What how what is the difference really when you're a 13? Is there a, like from a defensive perspective? Obviously, we talk about this a good bit on the show as well. How you kind of it, it's your job to read exactly what's going to happen as it evolves in front of you. As, as a 15, you get a bit more time to kind of see it evolve, and, and, and maybe it's, it's less quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a few more decisions to make at 13, a bit more front-on tackling, and you've got to be got to be that bit sharper on D. But I think attack's pretty similar. You've got a little, little bit less time on the ball at 13. You've got to worry about two people outside you as opposed to one. But, yeah, as, as I say, once you get through that first phase or two, it's um, just really defence. That's a big difference. All right. Uh, we have a text here. Does Brian feel weird looking at somebody else in his jersey? You're going to have to get used to it, I suspect. No. Um, <laughs> I think for the first, you know, the, fir- the first couple of games, of course, you you know you have a few pangs because it's the big occasion, particularly against the best teams in South Africa and, and, and Australia, and even the Six Nations. Of course, was a bit envious of the lads getting to play on, on a day like that last Saturday week. Of course, you know you want to play on the biggest stages. It's just I wasn't willing to do all the hard work for the celebrating at the end. So you know they they, they tend to go hand in hand. So um, it's 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 strange and. But at the same time, you know, it's nice seeing uh, a player come in and, and put his own stamp on it. Tell us a little bit, because we haven't talked to you since the Six Nations finished. Uh, what was your take on the craziest, wildest day in rugby history? Yeah, I, I, it was, it was mind-blowing. It really was. And I had said beforehand that I thought Ireland would win, but I, I couldn't see them winning by, by 30 points historically over Murrayfield. You know, we always found it very, very hard. We'd, if we won, we won by a score, maybe two, but... To win by 30 points, having known the, tit- the, the total that they needed to chase, having to chase 21, was it, so, uh, that you needed? 22. So um, it was amazing. And then I just never thought for a second that, that England would be able to chase 26 points. I just thought France would have too much themselves. England were capable of scoring 26 points, yes, but France were never going to be nilled. Mm-hmm. But together... 55, 35, you know, and the way it finished at the end and the tap and go and everyone in Ireland shouting at the telly. And, <laughs> but the funny thing is, and my dad was like loads of people in that. He was like, what are they doing? He's like, Dad, they're French. They're not Irish. They're not thinking the same way. So he just couldn't understand why he'd take a tap and go. But Rory Cockett knew what was going on and the double fist bump, you know. <laughs> yes, 20-point loss. <laughs> And we're all in favour of it this one, this one time. He gets, <laughs> you're dead right. Yeah. Uh, text in, did you join the boys after the win? And if so, how was it? Asked Will, who says he crawled out of Lilies a couple of years back with you. No, 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 no. Oh, there's no chance that happens. <laughs> um, no, no, no. When you're gone, you're gone. You stay away from it. And it's their moment. And you know what? I, I rang a couple of the boys and sent some text messages. Um, but um, no, you leave them, uh, leave them be. Um, you know, it's their, their time to celebrate, and God, I don't want to be that guy, that hanger-on guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, look, I'm still, still on my bike Oh, you, got, you, guys are, you, you guys came to the bridge as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want you to give a big draw to welcome to Devin Toler and Sean Cronin. <laughs> Dev, how you doing? Thanks for coming. Sean, how you doing? Thanks a million. Yeah, so uh, we're going to get a line-out tutorial a little bit later on from the two lads, given that we've got um, two of the best proponents of the art of uh, the line-outs. Um, Devin, for you, the whole Six Nations, 
I, I wonder if the afterglow finishes really quickly because you're back into such big, important action this weekend, or is that actually always going to be with you now for the rest of your life? You've just done back-to-back -back Six Nations. Um, yeah, like it's obviously a massive um, positive getting it back-to-back, -back, but it's it's really good having a massive game to go back into this year or, or this week. Um, most, well, some of the guys played last week against Glasgow. That was a huge, um, huge league game. But to come back into a, into a massive quarterfinal is um, it's good to focus the mind after such such a such a big Six Nations. Yeah. Do you get to process a Six Nations win? It always feels a little bit like it's in the middle of the season, so it happens, and then almost immediately afterwards, you, you know, you don't really get the chance to absorb what's going on. Um, yeah, we got a good few days to absorb it. To be honest, we got a good couple of nights as well. Um, and as I said, I, I, I didn't I didn't play last week, so I got um, got a good couple of days off to just absorb it and kind of go through all the messages, all the good luck messages, all the good the, the tweets, the Facebook messages, just to go through. And, and and that's a really good way to absorb the good feeling that ever that everyone will outpour from the nation. To be honest, yeah. and it, you can just see that the good feeling that it, that it that it made in the country. So yeah. It's absorbed now, but it's time to move on, I think, to be honest. Uh, Sean, how much of the uh, final France-England game did you see? Were you one of the ones who was having your dinner and going, oh, I don't want to watch it, or did you watch the whole thing? Um, yeah, we were up for most of the match, and uh, obviously crazy ending towards the, the, the final few minutes, and uh, I think I, I ended up grabbing Peter Matt. He just was, as I was watching the screen like that, <laughs> holding him, he was roaring at me to let go, and... Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was just we saw most of it. But uh, we'd been warned to try and have a few the poker face on as we were watching, not to leave our emotions get 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 too bad. It's kind of hard though, isn't it? Like you know, you've sweated blood and tears over the course of the whole tournament. Yeah, it was <laughs> like I said, it was it was just crazy the way it finished up, and especially when we thought we they, they they had won the penalty and. Um, Hugh Jay decided to tap and go and <laughs> time just stood still for a few seconds to be honest the ball was bobbling around and it was just crazy I, th I think you um, I think everyone in Ireland was wondering where the team were watching it and, and what you're conscious of now with social media is particularly the pictures of England last year in Italy um, taken you know, unbeknownst to them of watching the last few minutes and getting very animated about it and you don't want to be that you don't want to be that person if it doesn't if the result doesn't go your way so I'm sure the lads, you know, probably hid away and, you know, like they said, they tried to conceal any emotions, even though it must have been rumbling inside. Yeah, it's kind of tough, isn't it? Because actually, you just want to be a human being in that moment and go, either we won or we lost, and actually, you know. Yeah, like we were watching it up in the, in the post-match function, but I think Paulie said it right. It was like everyone else there was watching us, watching the game. So they were watching to see all our emotions, see what was going on. So and obviously we were told to try and keep it down a little bit, but it was kind of it was hard at the end there anyway. All right, let's talk about some of the actual games. Um, Jared, the, the Wales game, the first 20 minutes of the Wales game, Wales were pretty good. Yeah, they were. It was, uh, it was a tough 20 minutes on it, boys. It was um, just sort of had to stand back and watch, really. They, they came at us pretty hard and got a few penalties, and before we knew it, we were, I think, 12, 12 nil up or something. It was a tough old start. Was there any sense of how they managed to do that? Because that was the best they played for the whole tournament, really. Yeah, it was. I thought. Uh, I think we were pretty indisciplined for for the group. We were pretty disappointed with some of the penalties we gave away. We knew that the ref was going to be tough on certain things around the ruck, and we didn't really uh, do what we were supposed to. So we knew it was our own fault, which was uh, pretty disappointing. How much does that stick in the craw at the end of a tournament? You're thinking, ah, or, or does it? Because actually, you know, we can't expect to be perfect. We can't expect perf perfection in any sport, really. Evan. No, we can't expect it all. But. Um, Looking back, and back on it, it's just them first 12 nil down, them first 20 minutes really killed us. And you're always going to think at the back of your, back of your mind what would have happened. 
Um, if we had kept disciplined, if we hadn't been given away the, the, the stupid penalties, but um, but at the end of the day, that's what sport is, I suppose, and and, and, we, and we have the medal in the back of our pocket, so you can't really look, look back too much, to be honest. Yeah, I, those, like in retrospect also, that's going to be a learning 20 minutes for everybody, and obviously you never want it to happen again, but at the same time it has happened, so you have to absorb some lessons for it. What are the lessons? One of the, thing, one of the things that Joe kind of hit home with us, and I suppose, if, if you look at most of the games that happen now, usually in the first one or two minutes there's going to be a penalty um, because the referee is going to want to put a stamp on things and he's going to want to put a, his mark on things. So uh, 100%, I think, discipline is, is, is one of the biggest aspects that we can learn from that, that we know there's going to be a penalty um, awarded in the first first one or two minutes, even three, and then and just kind of try and work out the ref and see, see how, he, how he's going to ref certain things. So I think that's one of the, one of the biggest lessons we can dig out of. That might actually change then from game to game, even though it's a referee who you'll have studied and watched. and, and it, it, He himself can be in a moment in the game. Yeah, 100%. But I, I think every, like, every ref, they get, um, they get judged themselves as well after every game. So they're always being getting told what to do and, and what to focus on and what not to focus on. So I think... In every in every game, they're going to have something that they're want, they're going to want to look out for and going to want to put and uh, make their mark, I suppose. So that's one of the things. I mean. Yeah, in terms of the sorry, in terms of the Wales games that we had identified the ref, some of the stuff that he was very hot in terms of penalties, and the most frustrating thing was that we went out went twelve nil down from stuff that we had said he was going to do, and. That was looking back in the game and the days after. We were that's what the most part we were disappointed was the fact that he he did what we had pointed he was going to do and 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 we kind of played into their hands by giving away the penalties and giving them a massive a massive score. How do you stop yourselves from being completely annoyed to the point of it being a negative that week afterwards when you say so? Okay, we know exactly what he's going to do. You fall into the trap of not doing what you want to do, and then like how how did that then not become this horrible cloud that? follows you around the whole week? Um, well, we did the analysis on the Sunday evening and then on the Monday, um, training was a small bit flat and, and, and Paulie took us in and, and just said, look, we need to get over this. There's a massive championship on the line um, against Scotland the following week and <clears throat> we can't be feeling sorry for ourselves for, for the whole week. We need to get over this and, and move on and, and, and focus on, on the opportunity that was there for us on the Saturday. That obviously worked. It, it's funny how like was it just one conversation and that was enough. Everybody to go, all right, you're right. It wasn't just one conversation, um, but I think everyone knew that Monday was flat. That we need to rally together and 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 if we if we we knew we, we all we all knew we had a big chance of winning the championship. Um, all right, the grand slam was gone, but we had to move on. So I think after that Monday Monday training session, after Polly kind of took us in and had a few words, everyone knew them in themselves what we needed to do. So we needed to go out on Tuesday, we needed to go out on Thursday and, and, and have really good sessions and, and just kind of change the mindset. Uh, Brian, I think this is something that we on the outside of professional sport don't really understand, that you guys, you actually live with defeat quite a lot because a career is a long time thing. You play, you win, you lose, and if you're always going to be massively elated or massively upset, you're going to go crazy after the first six months of your professional career. So at some point you have to get good at processing these things, I guess? Yeah, I think you, you ha- there's, in a strange way, there's almost a, a mourning period particularly in a bad loss, um, where the boys would definitely have had the Grand Slam in their sights. And, um, and then when you, know, when, you, when you lose out on that second to last week, that morning period can potentially drag on. But then you need someone like Paulie, obviously, to, to 
reassess the situation and say, right, this is what's at stake. We still have a championship. Back-to-back championships haven't been done for 60 years. So it was a huge carrot there. Um, and you probably live with your losses a little bit longer than you celebrate the victories, other than when you win silverware. Obviously, yeah. you can celebrate them for days and weeks and months. Um, but the, but the, the, the bad losses that kind of really they stay with you. But there, there does come a point in the week that there's nothing positive can, can be taken from you know, still living it over. Yeah. You've got to shift it and you've got to focus on what you can put right in the following in the next next game and, uh, and, and, and park it. Yeah, and scoring loads of tries the next day was obviously a key part of that. At what stage during the, the game and, and having watched or heard what the score was in the, in the Wales game, did you realise, OK, we have a target, we have to hit that target... Is that a, a constantly evolving conversation across the day and even within the game itself? Yeah, we are uh, just in the changing sheet before we headed out. We had a couple of minutes, so um, I think Joe said to us it's 20, 21 points we've got to get. So that was a, a starting block and, and we knew playing Scotland, they're a good team. We knew we had to build the score. You weren't going to run out and throw the ball around straight away. So yeah, we, we went out with a goal to score on 21 and then see where we go from there. Yeah, we talked, we actually had Alan Quillen in the studio during the game and he was like, in the miracle match against Gloucester, we just decided get 14 up and then make the score zero in your heads again and then you have to win by 14. So, I'd, like, is it we have to get 21 or is it we need to get seven and then wipe it off? Okay, so we're 14 now. Uh, I think, I don't know about these guys, but personally, you play rugby, you're trying to score points on points, aren't you? You build pressure that way and, and if we, yeah, 21 was the goal, so points on points on points, get to 21 and then anything over that's a bonus and we, we knew the... Obviously, England are a very good team, and, and they had a, had a tough game against France, but they, they could have put a few points on them, so we knew we had to keep the foot in the throttle, and I think we did for, for most of it. And I think it shows, um, I read something about Ian, said in the press how cut up he was about missing that last uh, penalty. It shows that the boys were pretty focused throughout that 80 and really wanted to put a big score on. Yeah, he was um, actually speaking with Joe on, on Monday night in Satanta, and he was um, talking about how Sexto had to talk him through the next two hours after it, which I'd say was a pretty lonely place um, for him, waiting until that... that uh, final game in the, or the penalty gets kicked out against England from your perspective Devin it helps when Paulie goes over after two minutes and there's a try and that, that's not a bad start to a game when you're, when you're chasing a target yeah not at all um, it's always a good um, omen when, like, when, when, you're, when you're hammering the line like that to, to come away with points is, is it's, it's, it's hugely positive like if, if, if we know we're five metres out from the line and, and somehow we turn over or, or, get, or um, turn over the ball and it, it, that's a hugely negative feeling but to see Polly go over in the first uh, was it five minutes I think first five minutes but um, yeah no, it was hugely positive and, and just uh, to be, as Jarrah said to be able to put points on points is um, it's hugely positive going into the game yeah. Is it difficult chasing a score like that in a game? Um, sometimes it can be um, but it was Deck and Kidney that I remember saying you know, when, when we were talking about trying to get bonus points, you only need to score one try every 20 minutes, which is very achievable. Um, and obviously it, it seemed it was a kind of a sequence of needing bonus points. They needed four or five tries. It was unlikely you were going to kick your, kick your way to, yeah. to, um, to 20 points, but 21 points. But um, there were small things in, in the game, you know, I remember looking back on it and seeing Paulie's try and really clever stuff done by Mike Ross in that final rook where he cleaned, but he didn't clean too late. And the referee went up to the TMO and said, you know, did he clean really deep and so take out someone, but he didn't. And it's those small little moments that, that coaches like Joe realise when most of the public don't realise the little work that goes on where he could have 
milked it a little bit and, yeah. the and, and the penalty would have been reversed and there would have been territory would have been lost and me momentum would have been lost. So it's all those tiny little moments actually add up and you know, Ireland were able to build a score of you know, five, seven and, and, and ten and then all of a sudden you're ten nil up, you go, we only need 11 unanswered points and that's a nice place to be. Yeah, and the great thing is that over the whole course of the tournament there were a million of those little things that ultimately take one of them out and Ireland don't win. Yeah, the, you know, um, I said before that in, in many ways Joe is a, is a player's coach because he sees that stuff. If you clear that ruck out, you know, six phases before the try is scored and it wouldn't have been won, the ruck wouldn't have been won without you being there. Yeah. You know, you're, you know that happened. You know you, you had a big hand in it. And so does he, and pretty much no one else. So it's, it's quite rewarding that from that point of view to get your job done and just be really effective, irrespective of how many other phases there might have gone. If it would have died with you, uh, he'll look back and go, give you a little nudge you know, later on in the week and go, don't worry, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sean, from your perspective, you're pushing very hard for a starting position on the team. Uh, that must be kind of exciting, but also kind of infuriating that Rory Best is there just that little bit ahead of you at the moment. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I've had to, uh, to accept my, my role in the team and uh, uh, as the impact player coming off the bench and uh, something I've relished it this season and Joe, you know, calls us the closers and, and sometimes the, the, the last 10 minutes can be, the mo can be more important than the first 10 minutes and um, especially at test level when you're coming in, um, you make a mistake, it'll have a huge impact on the game in terms of missing a tackle or, or not getting your set piece right. So um, he's put a major emphasis on, on, on the subs coming in and having a fit in first mentality and um, I've just tried to have as much impact as I can both um, in, a, in a hugely positive way, whether it's a big carrier or a tackle or just fitting in and helping the team. Um, and like you said there, you, the championship was so close. You had Jamie's tackle on Stuart Hogg in the last few moments. And if they'd kicked that, that seven points gone and just stuff like that. And Joe does see that. And, and, and it's like I said, having that fit in first mentality when you come on and helping the team and adding value there. It's the kind of stuff that he sees. Is that something that took you a while to get used to? Or when you're actually breaking into the team, you kind of, it takes a while for you to, to win a starting place anyway. So actually, it's kind of a, a natural enough thing for you to be trying to do. Um, yeah, it, I, I, I did have to learn. Maybe I was, sometimes I was coming in and I was trying too hard and um, making little mistakes here and there and, 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 and not adding value, like I was saying. So um, it's something in the last, couple of seasons as Joe's come in and, and I've got a good bit of game time in, in terms of him being in charge of Ireland at test level that I've learned to develop my game that way and, and um, you know like I said hopefully in Joe's eyes I'm pushing for to, to get a start and uh, you know hopefully with the World Cup and, and selection might go my way there you never know. Yeah um, Devin you had a pretty good tournament as well I think um, a lot of your stats you're either first or second uh, across the entire Six Nations for it's like being first to Rooks I think you were second only to Paul O'Connell certainly from an Ireland perspective um, did you feel under pressure coming into the tournament at all or do you always feel pressure is that a stupid question well I think with the nature the nature of how the team has, has grown over the last couple of years that there is a huge amount of competition for spaces so I did feel a lot of pressure obviously you got Ian Henderson there who's a, um, who's a phenomenal player um, he's a really good young talent and he's, and, he, and he's phenomenally strong as well so I, he's, he's been biting on my heels all the way to be honest so yeah I did feel under pressure a lot of, a lot of the time but um, yeah, and no, I was fairly happy with how uh, with how the whole Six Nations went. To be honest, I think um, like Joe loves his um, his tight five just to to work hard. I think and um, if if like working hard for him is getting your barrels right at breakdown and and and, um, and giving a good platform for the backs basically. So that's what I was trying to focus on for this whole Six Nations. Anyway. 
Okay, a couple of quick texts here. Can you ask Jared if he's going to be cheering on Leinster this weekend? Be honest, says this suspicious texter. <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely been cheering the boys on. Hopefully they uh, get through the semi so they can worry about that and forget about the Rabo. Uh, <laughs> uh, Barry says, what's camp like during the Six Nations? Who are the practical jokers and how bad do they get? <laughs> I don't know where to start with that one. Um, practical jokers. Yeah. Jared there would be a bit of a kidder when he's inside and can't fly, wouldn't you? Jared's the game master. Yeah. He knows every card game under the sun. Yeah, hustler. And <laughs> Big any, hustler. Any chance he wants for money as well. Oh, yeah. Really, yeah. Didn't see an ounce of money off any of these boys. Don't even know if Nugget's got a wallet at the moment. <laughs> as in they'll happily play but not pay, is that the...? No, no, Nugget wouldn't even play. Wouldn't even come near it. <laughs> Uh, can you ask if it's true when Joe Schmidt handed Jared the number 13 shirt, he said, no pressure, asks Mike. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, pass, can I? <laughs> uh, that probably, probably did, probably did. Uh, all right, 53106 is the text number. Um, for, for you guys, what's the abiding memory of the Six Nations? Um, Sean, what's the, is there a specific moment? Is it the end of the whole thing, or is there a game where you kind of come on and make an impact and go, yeah, that's it? Um... Probably either maybe the last five minutes of the Welsh game um, in terms of, you know, we a lot of us came off the bench and I did have a big impact and we nearly managed to, to, get, to get over the line. But I'd say it would have to be the, the last few moments of that English-French game. Um, I don't think, probably never experienced anything again like it in my life. So The most fun you'll ever have in a suit? Um, <laughs> maybe not. I don't know about that one. <laughs> you don't know, Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll just let that one hang yeah, in the air. Yeah. Dev, for you, is there a, is there a standout? Is there? Um, well, I suppose as a, as, a, as a second row forward, I think um, what way ever we did in, in the line, it kind of stands out for me. So I think in that Scotland game, when um, for Shawnee's try for the second try, when when a line out you've been practicing all week comes off to a tee, um, it's hugely satisfactory, um, hugely <laughs> um, positive anyway. So I think that that's one of the tries that stands out for me, being able to be part of that try. Well, I'm pretty glad you brought that up because we're going to show it uh, a little bit later on to everybody. But of course, the, the uh, Ireland men's team weren't the only ones who had a very successful Six Nations. We also had an incredibly successful Six Nations from the women's team who are now champions. And I'd like you to welcome Hannah Tyrrell to the show, please. <laughs> All right, well... Probably shouldn't shake your hands. Nice and tricky for that one. Uh, you've got your arm in a sling, Hannah. Are you all right? Um, yeah, I'm fine. I dislocated my shoulder in the last game uh, in the Six Nations there, but I'll be grand hopefully in a couple of weeks. It's a pretty painful injury. It's not the nicest of injuries, no. It's very difficult, but um, I'll, be, I'll manage. You, you missed the game with concussion as well. You missed the France game. Yeah, um, I missed the France game through concussion because I got a knock during the week in sevens training, um, so I was ruled out, unfortunately. Yeah, it must be pretty annoying because obviously that's the only game that the team lose and it's 10-5 and it's a close game. And I guess you're watching it going, hmm, that last opportunity, if that was me, maybe we would have run it in. Um, it was frustrating to watch, yeah, knowing that we had our chances there um, you know, to get the win and possibly like you know we would have ended up with the grand slam but um that's the way things goes and luckily for us you know our campaign kept going and we got the wins we needed and, and we still won six nations yeah nice of you to run up the score in scotland as well you know you only needed to beat them i think 30 points but you know you'd hold 70 odd it's like 
yeah, we, we knew going into it we had to beat them by 27 um, to win the championship. Um, but we were lucky enough on the day that the scores kept coming and things went right for us. And to win by 73 uh, to 3 was unexpected, but we were delighted. Yeah. No one thought, like, when you got to 60, OK, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. When opportunities are there and, you know, the try line's there, you're always going to go over, so uh, there's no stopping us. Yeah, proper, proper hard-ass. Uh, All-black-style behaviour, I think, is the, <laughs> the way of thinking about that. So, obviously, an amazing season for you guys, but for you, I think it's only two years since you started playing. Yeah, under two years, uh, I picked up uh, rugby. I came across from GAA. Um, my friend invited me down and... I got the rugby bug and, you know, it's all happened from there. I've been really lucky, like, um, being selected both for sevens and for fifteens and um, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. <laughs> so you're essentially contracted as a sevens player? Yeah, Monday to Friday I'm in with sevens training full-time. And obviously the sevens, the whole point of uh, the, the sevens at the moment is trying to qualify for the Rio Olympics. Yes. Yeah, so um, we have our European Championships in June and... Um, we have to win those outright to automatically qualify for the Olympics. Otherwise, we go into a series of repechages um, to get the final um, qualification spot. But uh, hopefully, we don't need to go down that route. Yeah, but it's incredibly difficult because there's, I think, six teams qualify, and you obviously are in with France and England, and they're pretty good. And only one team can come from at least those three, and, and the Welsh and Scots as well, who at least have kind of. Well, I don't know, maybe, maybe is it a Great Britain team? Uh, yeah, it'll be a Great Britain team, but it'll be just either England or Scotland okay. or Wales. It won't be mixed. But we're unlucky in the fact that Europe is really strong in terms of sevens rugby at the minute, and only one, one team will um, essentially qualify. So there'll be some really good teams left behind um, and not qualifying for the Olympics. Yeah, OK. What's the, what's the stated ambition for the current uh, 15 side? Like, at what point do you start thinking... Well, we've already beaten New Zealand, we've already been to a World Cup semi-final, and now we're beating England every second year. Like, at what point do you start putting the pressure on yourself and go, screw it, we want to consider, consider ourselves potential World Cup winners? I think the pressure's already there. I think our aim is, you know, uh, the World Cup in 2017, um, and we're just building towards that. We're a team in transition from last year's World Cup with a lot of new players, and we're just looking to improve every year, and... When the World Cup comes around, we'll definitely be competing and going there to win it if we can. Yeah, and I, I think there's several of you who have a GA background as well. It's kind of clear that obviously there's a playing pool of people there who are pretty good at, at ball sports, and there's definitely some transferable skills. Yeah, definitely there is. There's a few girls there now who who have a bit of GA in their background, and um, and I do think that like the handling skills and the kicking skills and the footwork really transfer over, and um, we've become quite successful in that. Like, and it's been a lot easier for me in particular to transfer over it just came a bit more naturally maybe than other players yeah uh, Brian it's great that there's uh, a bit of a bandwagon going behind the women's team at the moment um, like Irish people tend to get criticised for jumping on bandwagons but screw that like why the hell would we not get on a good bandwagon absolutely and I suppose off the um you have to look at the World Cup as a success of course listen we beat the uh, the women all black team and we got to semi-final and we were disappointed with with our performance um but yet you know, we were able to bounce back and win a Six Nations you know, very soon after that, uh, after that World Cup. So on top of you know, great momentum, they're building even more momentum, which is fantastic. And the, ga- the women's game is growing exponentially at the moment, and it's fantastic. I think um, you know, we, you know, we, we are a passionate nation, and, and it shouldn't matter whether it's men, women, or children. You, you know, if Ireland are playing, you support yeah, Hannah, what's that sense like at the moment? Because, you know, like, there is a, a genuine 
uh, wealth of, there's been an outpouring, I think, of support for the women's rugby team, which is, is, is brilliant, but it actually has to lead to increased support. It has to lead to better sponsorship, better facilities. The floodlights should not go out when you're playing an international game the way they did that night. Like all of these things kind of, you know, you guys probably need to seize this moment as well as much as anybody else. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, our success is really helping grow the game um, and attracting bigger crowds to venues. And um, we, we do need to utilise this this opportunity and, and help grow the game and get more players involved, get more people out supporting us and, and getting more sponsorship. Um, it's the only way that we can move forward and continue to be as successful as we are. Yeah, it would help too if all of your games are on TV. Yeah, of course. Like, sure, we don't play to be on TV, but uh, it's fantastic to be able to have it broadcasted so that a wider range of people can watch it. You know, so any time that it is broadcast, uh, we're just happy. Like, you know. All right, five three one six is the text number. If uh, anybody has any questions out there, remember to try and find Colin. We have uh, a, a ball signed by the Leinster winning Rabo Pro Twelve team from uh, last season, and we also have tickets for Bath against Leinster at the Aviva on Saturday to give away. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to get a line-out lesson from the two lads. But for now, we're going to say thanks very much to Jared Payne and to Hannah Terrell for joining us this evening. A big draw to TLT. Welcome. Thanks very much. We're here, of course, with thanks to our friends in Heineken. We'll take a quick break and off the ball. We'll be right back after these. Off the ball with thanks to Ford. This season calls for a change off the pitch and on the road. For a quality 151 offer, you know where to turn. Ford. Go further.